0: Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us.
1: Welcome everyone to this episode of Scattered. Today I'm joined by Jill and Mary and we're looking today at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. So this passage is quite a familiar story probably to a lot of listeners here and to us, but as we mentioned in the past, we want to be seeing God's Word speak to us uh, no matter how many times we hear it. So this passage begins with uh, the powers of, of the time Caesar Augustus telling all the Roman world that they need to go back to their own town to register. And so Jesus is taken there by Mary and Joseph, and he is born in the town of Bethlehem. And so what significance is it that he's born in Bethlehem? I love that you said he was
2: taken there, like Mary took him there in her tummy.
1: <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> What's the significance of him being born in Bethlehem?
2: Really off-putting, because Jill's doing her best to look intelligent with these glasses, and it's just just funny. (laughs) Um, Right, so Bethlehem had been prophesied, right, as the place where the Messiah would be born. So it was really important. In fact... I'm going to give you a reference for that. Micah 5 verse 2. It's important that that's where Jesus is going to be born. But the problem is that Mary and Joseph are in Nazareth, which is 80 miles away from Bethlehem. Um, So also Bethlehem is called the town of David, isn't it? Is that because he was from there? I feel like I should have researched that.
0: There is a bit of debate about that. But yes, I think that was the uh, idea that David was from Bethlehem. And so,
2: yeah, we've got... This seemingly uh, insignificant couple, we talked about that a few weeks ago, um, just kind of caught up in this huge political event where Caesar, Augustus Caesar, who was the first emperor of Rome, uh, wants to count all his people. And it's all, it was also a way of taxing all of his people. Um, to make them go back to their ancestral homes and Joseph's ancestral home was Bethlehem so he probably would have had relatives or distant relatives there he he would have been able to go and see.
0: Yeah I was really struck by that whole idea that um, Caesar Augustus thinks he's the boss in this passage doesn't he and it appears on initial reading like he's calling the shots he's moving people around his empire and yet Almost what was an accident of history was in God's hands, an act of destiny, and the way that God made managed to get Mary and Joseph into the right city to fulfil that ancient prophecy. And, yeah, I just, I find that really helpful to think about, that um, God's the boss in this passage, isn't he? Even though it would look like Caesar's calling the shots. Mm.
2: Because it's worth noting that... um... Mary probably wouldn't have had to go, but there's a school of thought that says that she probably, like Joseph, probably took her because it was actually a way of getting her away from probably a lot of rumor and shame that was surrounding her at the time. So, yeah, that's how they ended up going together kind of a mixture of this big political power play and also maybe Joseph just being kind and wanting to be with her when she's heavily pregnant and,
1: yeah. Yeah, so without knowing it, these giant political forces are guided by God's hand to help Mary and Joseph be in this place, Bethlehem. So if God is able to sort of use the will of these political leaders, he surely would have been able to rustle up a room for Mary and Joseph. Why do you think God planned that there would be no room available and for jesus to be born in a
0: manger i guess it zooming out a little bit it's it's almost like a paradigm isn't it for the whole of jesus's ministry that he was born into such a humble lowly setting and i mean, i just think it really helps us realize um a bit like philippians 2 that he chose um like like you said juliet god chose this setting didn't he he could have had them in a really swanky room and yet he chose for them um for the birth to happen here and i guess that's showing us isn't it the um the level of humility that jesus is taking by becoming man and leaving the throne room of heaven for such a um a lowly place um so yeah i think part of it is that just reinforcing The humility that is going to characterize the whole of Jesus's um, earthly life. Yeah, because
2: we're not necessarily meant to think of it in the way that it's become traditionally seen, are we? That it was like this outside stable where just the animals lived under the stars. Like I think um, nowadays we're more and more taught that it actually probably was part of the house. Uh, of a relative of Joseph's, but there was probably no room for them in the actual house or the actual inn, um, but there was a place where the animals uh, were kept that was still under the roof and still sheltered. But, but, yeah, like Jill said, very humble and lowly for a king.
1: Yeah, they're glamorised, aren't they, In instead of actually re- recognising it would have been not the ideal place to to birth a new baby.
2: I mean, it's just the way it's written is so interesting, isn't it? When it actually comes from for the time for Jesus to be born, it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. It's like bish, bash, bosh. It's not kind of full of details and fanfare. It's like the baby was born and the fact that she, she wrapped him in cloth. So Mary herself wrapped the baby. Um, so this was a very lonely birth. Like she maybe didn't even have anybody to help her. The guy whose commentary I was reading called Leon Morris said, everything points to poverty, obscurity and rejection. And I just thought, isn't, isn't that just such a juxtaposition? Like Jesus steps from... Heaven, like deity, straight into the darkness and humility and poverty of a stable.
0: The other contrast that I saw that, well, somebody saw that I read about in that was that idea at the beginning that we were talking about you know, the Caesars at this day were men that really wanted to be gods and wanted the authority and power of a godlike status. And The contrast then with God who chooses to become a man and chooses the humility of a birth in a stable is just beautiful, isn't it? So how do you think we might be challenged
1: or encouraged by this now?
0: I was really struck by that whole idea in this passage that God Can God controls all the events of history, doesn't he, for his good purposes and his good ends. And I was just challenged how when something happens in my life that I've I've not planned and isn't according to my will, how hard it is to accept this. And just this week as I was reading this, I was like, oh, Lord, help my heart be quicker to see that you're at work in the surprising turns of history or in the surprising turns in my life. So that I can accept that as a goodness from your hand, rather than wasting all that emotion on fighting against um, something that I've not seen coming, but actually being able to trust that God is so much bigger than we are, isn't he? And he is in control of massive political events, as well as the intrusions into our sort of happy, moving along life.
2: I think it's also challenging, as is Jesus' whole life, just that he chooses to be lowly and he chooses to be servant or even less than a servant. I doubt even servants who had babies in Bethlehem that night put them in a manger. Like Jesus is kind of come into the world as the lowest of the low. Um, And I just am challenged as to how much in my life I seek to have the upper hand, and I seek to kind of be the opposite um, of that and to be proud and to want one-up on people or to appear better than I am. And, yeah, Jesus, Jesus just consciously chose the opposite of that throughout his life. And um, right from the manger, he shows us what it really means to be in his kingdom, which is to choose to be low and choose to be in service of others and yeah I just find that challenging um and I see it you know in my kids as well like there's always this one-upmanship happening and it's a challenge isn't it to be like no I want your best um and I want to put you first because we just want me first (laughs) all the time
1: and I think here I where we live at the moment has really struck that the theme very powerful and just being reminded that actually our father has a hand in the big things and in the small details as well is such a big encouragement and it and it means that that we can be more free it's easy to be afraid and it's easy to um, worry about what you do what you say but actually recognising that our Father is the most powerful one of all is very freeing. But it's a big challenge to be reminded of this truth, I think. As we move on in this story, we see that the shepherds are in the fields nearby where Jesus has been born, and some angels come to them. and. They say some special words. But what what during that time, what was the status of shepherds? I
0: read two things on this. I'd always read that, you know, shepherds were the lowest of the low and the um the nobodies. But then I also read this week something that, you know, David was a shepherd. Actually, in mm. sort of in the Jewish mindset, a shepherd is quite a um a good profession because king david was a shepherd so i don't know i've always until this week i've always seen them as being the lowest of the low but then yeah there was a curveball in what i read this week so mary i need you to tell me what the right answer is yeah i do you know i was reflecting on that same thing because i was thinking as
2: well when um joseph goes to egypt his he tells the king there pharaoh there like my family are shepherds and you don't get the idea that jacob is a super kind of low in society family um jacob's family um but i think it was more their way of life wasn't it i mean they would have had to live with the sheep all the time and therefore be dirtier than your average israelite and they probably wouldn't have been able to perform the necessary things at the temple that everyone else was able to perform um, and be kind of ceremonially clean and things like that. So there is this idea that the shepherds, yeah, were kind of seen as dirty, but also apparently they had quite a bad reputation as they moved around the countryside with their sheep. They would have a bit of a reputation for stealing things, um, and weren't very reliable. Um, they weren't allowed apparently to give testimony in the court of. Law, So, yeah, I I was confused as well because I thought, oh, yeah, you know, in the Old Testament, it doesn't seem like it's a really bad profession. But then I, from what I read, it was quite an unlikely group of people for God to choose to reveal his precious son to.
0: The thing I read that I'd not seen before was they were outside of the city. And that whole way that Luke says you know, the Gospels for Outsiders, the fact that they were outside of the city on the hillside. I was like, oh, that's really helpful, isn't it? Like, yeah, they weren't in the middle of things. They were the outsider and God chose in his kindness to come and tell the outsiders
1: what's just happening. Mm. Yeah, so some angels appear to to them or an angel appears to them first and says do not be afraid i bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is the messiah the lord this will be assigned to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger and then suddenly, lots of angels came and appeared, and they said, "Glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests." So what struck you as you read what the angels were saying to the shepherds?
0: Yeah, I was really struck by that the way that and we saw this a bit, didn't we, with like Zachariah and Elizabeth. This is personally good news for the shepherds because it says unto you is born this day but then also it's for all people and yeah I just love the way that God deals with us as individuals doesn't he and he speaks personally into our hearts and yet this is going to transform the whole world this news so like what a privilege for those shepherds to be the one that the ones that receive that first and yet they're so good, aren't they? At then um believing and following and going and then telling. So actually, it has really impacted them personally, hasn't it? Because of the way we see them respond.
2: And I think, like we've seen before with um the angels delivering messages to Elizabeth and to Zechariah, the angel doesn't just deliver this message and says, I'll see ya. He says this is a sign to the shepherds. I mean i guess for Zecharias, Zechariah, he he was um mute for uh, all of those months and um mary was able to go and see elizabeth who was miraculously present uh, pregnant and then here we've got he is lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling sorry you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger and um yeah, there were probably lots of babies in Bethlehem that the shepherds could have wandered around to see, but there probably weren't any, apart from Jesus, who were wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Another thing that struck me about what the angels were singing
0: in verse 14. Yeah, the other thing I was struck by in verse 14 is that's the contrast again between heaven and earth and one of the um commentaries i read said and this really struck me that in the highest place that night there was a new level of glory because jesus because of what jesus was doing and that the you know the angels were amazed and the glory in heaven that night was deeper and brighter because there was a baby in this manger that was god And, yeah, that really struck me that, you know, the angels are there. They're with God all the time, aren't they? They see God's glory all the time. And yet in the highest place this night, there's a different level of glory because of this baby. So the shepherds
1: then go and in haste to go and find this new baby. And they find him quite easily, who's lying in the manger. And then once they find him, they spread the word concerning what they were told by the angels. And everyone around was amazed at what they heard. And Mary was amazed and treasured them in her heart. But the shepherds then go from that place and glorify, praising God for all that they've heard and seen. What challenge or encouragement can we get from this passage with Um, the shepherds
0: um i guess the challenge for me from the shepherds was they received god's word from the angel didn't they they believed it and then they were overjoyed and after they'd been and uh, like they got up they went to bethlehem they found jesus and then they shared their joy um with everybody that they met um and it's that was challenging to me because i just think yeah, I wrote all over this passage, joy, joy, joy. This causes such joy for them, doesn't it? Because they're, they're not over familiar with it. Mm. And I just think that's, it's really hard at this time of year, isn't it? To carve out space for our hearts to marvel and wonder and to share joy rather than just grind through the same pattern of every December. Yeah, I was like, I know this
2: bit's mostly about the shepherds. Um, but I was also struck, uh, in verse 19 where there's this short sentence, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So you've got this big, glorious thing happening. Um, and I just love the picture of Mary just quietly treasuring the things and putting them deep within her. Like you get this idea that she knows how precious it is. And yet, and she also probably feels a lot of physical pain and a, and a lot of, probably a lot of emotional pain. And, and, you know, she's given birth to this baby far from home and she doesn't know what his future will be like. Will he be rejected? Will she be rejected? There's all of that going on. And yet, she sees these wonderful things from heaven and she treasures them in her heart. Like, you can imagine her as the baby grows and as they go through the kind of trauma of having to leave and go to Egypt and all of that, she's put this treasure in her heart that probably keeps her going through those times. Um, And it just, yeah, for me, that was challenging. Like, how am I actively treasuring things in my heart so that later on when times are hard, when things are difficult and I feel kind of dry and empty i can dig up this treasure and be like yeah but god said this or god did this and you know mary can be like the angels said glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests like she can look back at that and that would have been treasure for her
0: we were um we were discussing this last night with um we've got our newest listener to scattered is my um 12-year-old Josh who is um loving listening to scattered <laughs> in an evening and we d- we were reading this um passage together last night and at the minute there's a lot of pondering and treasuring of the world cup going on in my household i have four boys so there's a lot of analyzing and pondering and meditating and thinking and treasuring england's good win so far um but yeah Josh and I were just chatting about that and and trying to apply that into what would it look like to spend that amount of time pondering and treasuring Jesus and how we're mm. very good at doing that with things that are um new and fresh and exciting to us like the World Cup but we were trying to yeah we were just praying that God would help us to ponder this Christmas Jesus in a with that level of joy and excitement that the World Cup quite easily evokes. Yeah, I was so struck by the
1: shepherds' just immediate desire to go and spread the word and to obey and go and glorify and praise God for all that they had seen. And I was really challenged to think, you know, how am I, pondering and treasuring and building up that joy to Mm. so that i'm just urged to glorify and praise god wherever we go and yeah just i i was really encouraged by a friend sharing this week because here sometimes the consequences for sharing are pretty dangerous yet she was boldly encouraging her daughter to be able to freely share this good news and because it's the most incredible thing ever and she sort of doesn't want her daughter at all to feel oh I can't share this with this person or I need to think about who I share it with in this circumstance and it was just incredibly encouraging to see that actually this is comes with great risk Yet mm. there's this deep urge to, to share and to praise and to glorify God.
2: Mm. I just, it's funny, isn't it? Because mm. you get this this amazing night yeah, where, where we get to hear about the angels and um, you know, this baby's born. And then you can just imagine like the next day, like for the shepherds, there was a next day where they woke up the next day and had to carry on you know with their lives like obviously they had this great news to share but then there's the next day and there's mary and joseph as well like there's this incredible birth but then there's the next day where they're going to have to just take another breath and take another step and the kind of mundaneness of it as well like i just find it encouraging that these glorious like wonderful moments can happen in our spiritual lives and we can see wonderful things you know sometimes on a Sunday or sometimes in a quiet time or something like that we have these like high mountaintop moments in our faith but then also there's the kind of everyday like Mary and Joseph now have to bring up this baby um, and the shepherds now have to go back to their fields and watch their sheep and yet everything's changed because there's a savior in the world and everything's changed for us like we kind of life kind of feels like a plod sometimes doesn't it and it's not all mountaintop experiences in our faith and yeah everything has changed because we have this wonderful saviour of you know who's going to give us peace and, and gives us peace every day and joy every day i just love that contrast i think christmas is such a busy like bethlehem what's that song our hearts as busy as bethlehem
0: yeah it's called prepare him room isn't it by sovereign grace You're
2: going to give us a little rendition, Jill?
0: No, I am not. (laughs) We
2: can ask Helen.
0: Yeah, it's it's
2: funny. It's like Christmas is coming and I'm like, oh, I need to buy presents. And then it's like, you know, Bethlehem, it says, doesn't it, there was no room in the inn and it's in my mundane. I need to, this this is life changing. So I don't really know where I'm going with it, but I was just struck by that.
1: I guess the challenge for all of us is like, how are we making space for Jesus's Christmas? And how are we reigniting that wonder and joy that we have in his miraculous birth? Oh, okay, thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, wish you a very wondrous and glorious Christmas. Bye. 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 Bye.